Praise God. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, 1 and 2 today. It's kind of like, where in the world is 2 Chronicles, right? Yeah, so 2 Chronicles is Old Testament, kind of right probably in the smack dab in the middle. Digital Bibles are a little bit easier to navigate, aren't they, than, uh, than these? But they are, yeah. So 2 Chronicles, um, there's... there's First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, and they really cover a lot of the same information. They look at this time and period in Israel's history where they um, have a king, and um, then you have this split kingdom. So, just I'm not going to give you all the history of Israel, and then you even have the books before that, First and Second Samuel. That's when Saul will be anointed king, and then you get some of David's uh, his being king, you catch some of that as well in First and Second Samuel, and then you go First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. All right. Now, the difference between First and Second Chronicles and First and Second Kings is that Chronicles is written by priestly people. Okay, people that were part of the priesthood. Kings was not, and so it has a little bit different. Sometimes there's overlap between those books, and they come at it a little bit differently. We're looking at both of them today. Um, we're going to look at Second Kings and Second Chronicles. So, um, in a recent report from Barna on women, uh, it was kind of interesting. He had this whole report on just women that they did a survey on. That what they've uh, the survey came out with is that women are growing in influence in our nation. All right, it's not you know in our world as well, but you just think about in our nation, women have really grown in influence. Just think of all the CEOs that are now um, women in our nation, and not just small companies. We're talking big companies that are are, are CEOs. All right, um, and that. They're gaining in wealth and generosity as well. So women tend to be a little more generous, maybe a lot more generous than men in their time, their talents, and their finances. Is that a surprise? I don't know. Um, they not only give to their local churches, but other, uh, to other things that are dear to their heart, uh, whether it's women's mental health, poverty, uh, sex trafficking, other things. Uh, they're becoming key players. So a woman's influence is needed in our world, but especially especially in the family structure as a mom. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to, um, we do have a special gift from our moms at the conclusion of the service. And then Jason and Oneida provided donuts for everybody. So it uh, might even be enough there for somebody to have seconds if somebody would want one, right? Uh, <laughs> I guess that was a second there. All right. Um, you know, those first few years of a child's life are so crucial and important. Uh, we've had some people that have worked with Sixpence, uh, Lizzie did, and uh, Yesenia. You know, those, those first few years are so important in developing a child's self-worth, their character, and their moral compass, right? Uh, motherhood is more than just bringing a new life into this world. It is also nurturing that child once they enter this world. And so I want to explore that. A little bit more. I've never preached on this passage for Mother's Day. And I probably have never preached on it, period, all right? And wow, 33 years of ministry. So, but it came up in a men's breakfast, and uh, ironically. And so we're going to just bow our heads in prayer and then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you for your word. Make it come up to alive, uh, alive for us today, Lord God. Speak to us, I pray. And um, may the your word just guide and direct our path. 
We give you the thanks. We ask you your name. Amen. So in one of our recent men's Bible study, we're going through a study. It's called Men's 360, um, or is it 365? It's just a daily devotional that is on, you can get it on iTunes and other platforms as well. And they g- touch upon different passages, and then there's a little devotional uh, thing there. So we discuss one of those for men's breakfast. We don't do them every Saturday, but we've been doing them um, off and on here. I send out a text. If you want to be included in that text, men, let me know. But we did, we, uh, one of them was on this Second Chronicles 29, 1 through 2. So let's read that together here. Second uh, Chronicles 29, 1 through 2. So Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. Now think about that. Isn't that a scary thought? Somebody becoming a king at age 25. Yeah, that's a scary thought, I think, right? All right. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years, quite a long time. His mother's name was Abijah. Say Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. So it's not the same Zechariah. There's a book in your Bible called Zechariah, not the same Zechariah. He was later. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. So he's in the lineage of David. All right. Often in genealogies and scripture, it mentions the father, right? But you read through some of the genealogies, and it'll mention the father, but there's no mention of the mother. But in our passage, it doesn't mention the father. Now we know who the father is. It's King Ahaz. He's talked a lot about in the next chapter two before. But it, what's interesting here is that he reigned in 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah. Why? Why in the world in Scripture when usually a woman's name is not mentioned is Abijah's mentioned? Her name means Ab, Abba, Abby. So that is where we get the word father in the Hebrew and the Greek. So that passage in the New Testament, Abba, Father, it comes from that. So you'll see that a lot of names in the Old Testament, Abba, um, so it would be father of something. All right. Her name was Abijah. She was the daughter of Zechariah. I want us to look at, if you can keep your finger there and go back to 2 Kings. So you're going to go back in your Bible, a few pages, to 2 Kings chapter 18. And it is a parallel passage with what we just read. Verses 1 and 2. It says, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel. So what you're seeing here is that you have your first couple kings. You have Saul, David, and then Solomon, or the first three kings over all of Israel. And then after that, there's a split. So Solomon's son was too... He was too heavy-handed, okay, and he was proud of it. And so ten, king, ten of the tribes of Judah, of Israel, go to the north, and that would become what is known as Israel. So once you get into that Kings and Chronicles, it talks about Israel and Judah. Israel was the ten tribes in the north. Judah was the two tribes in the south, in Jerusalem area, okay? And so Hoshea was the king of Israel in the north, and Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. There again, she is mentioned again. We do see the father's name mentioned as well there. As you read through uh, 2 Kings, 
16, so you go back a couple chapters, we learn that Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, was not a good king. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So that is a common phrase used in the Old Testament. Either they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, or they did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Ahaz did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't trust God. He looked to other nations during a difficult season in Judah's history. Um, Israel was being overrun by Assyria in the north. And now it threatened Judah as well. And Ahaz doubted God's power and protection. Worse yet, Ahaz stopped much the worship in um, Judah. He even offered sacrifices to that the other nations, to the gods of the other nations. And he even went as far as let's read this in Second Kings sixteen. All right. Second Kings sixteen thirty two. He says, he followed the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his, what does it say? He sacrificed his son in the fire, engaging in detestable practices of the nations of the Lord that had driven out before the Israelites. Second Chronicles reports that same thing, but it says it this way, that he offered his children. Second Chronicles 28.3, he burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Himmon, and sacrifices children and in the fire, engaging in detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. So there it says that he actually sacrificed more than one child in the fire. Can you imagine doing that? We know that that has been, ha- it ha- you know, it's part of world history, right? Different nations have done that, different practices. And it was part of those heathen nations where they would, if they would sacrifice their son or their daughter in the fire, they thought somehow they would get um, something from these false gods. And so Ahaz falls into that trap where he actually has sacrificed one or more of his children on these sacrifices. Ahaz tried to appease the king of Assyria, gave money, tribute to keep Assyria from overtaking Judah. That was not working, even though he, whatever they had, it wasn't enough. To make matters worse, some of the surrounding countries, uh, Aram and Ephraim, were saying, hey, why don't you come in with us and we will revolt against Assyria. And they really had bad intentions as well. They wanted just to, in turn, just take over Judah. And, and so Ahaz found himself in a very difficult spot. And I preached on this back on Christmas Eve. And the reason is, is because during this difficult hour in Ahaz, Ahaz's kingdom, God sends Isaiah the prophet with a message, with a prophecy. This is what he says. It says in Isaiah seven ten through 16, And the Lord said to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether it is the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I won't put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah, because he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't even want to ask the request, okay? So it wasn't a sign of faith, it was a sign of unbelief. Here now, O you house of David, it is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you also try the patience of God also? Therefore the Lord your God himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name, what? Emmanuel. Now, you're probably thinking, isn't that referring to Christ? Don't we quote that at Christmas? We do, Right? And Matthew will even pick up on that, saying that that was a prophecy pointing to the birth of Christ. 
But most scholars agree that there was an immediate fulfillment of that prophecy. There was also the further reaching one that would point to Christ, but there was an immediate fulfillment of this prophecy that somebody in Israel would give birth to a son and they would call him Emmanuel. If you go ahead to chapter 9 of Isaiah, it says, Isaiah says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of his greatness, of his government, peace, there will be no end. And he'll sit on David's throne. You're saying, that refers to Jesus as well. Yeah, it does. It's fulfilled in him. But listen what it says of uh, Hezekiah, 2 Kings 3-6. through six. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones. So all those things his father had erected and put up, all this wicked worship Ahaz, his father, had done. And now Hezekiah, his son, is undoing all the things his father had done. He broke down the Asherah poles. They were like totem poles that were used for these sacrifices. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made. Why did he do that? Well, because that had become um, also, um, they would sacrifice to it instead of bringing the sacrifices to the temple. So it became a form of idolatry for them. Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah. You catching that? There was no one like him amongst all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord given that the Lord had given through Moses. And if you keep on reading, it says that, he, that the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. And uh, he even rebelled against Assyria. And so God would do an incredible miracle for Hezekiah when the king of Assyria would come down. So we see that Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And that there was no one like him before or after him. Pretty high accolades, right? And we see that Isaiah's prophecy easily could be fulfilled through Hezekiah, but then it also pointed ahead to Christ. And a lot of your Old Testament prophecies, I hope that doesn't mess you up, had an immediate fulfillment, but they also had a fulfillment that reached further ahead to Christ. Does that make sense? And this would be one of them, I believe. Now, what's cool is that you go into Matthew chapter 1, 9 through 11, it says this is the lineage of Christ. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, that's verse 9. Jotham was the father of Ahaz, the bad father, the bad king. But Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon, and it goes through there. So we see that Hezekiah would be in the lineage of Christ. And what, what is amazing that I don't know if you can always figure out, Ahaz, Ahaz was a wicked king. And then you have Hezekiah that was one that was just walked in God's ways. And then you have his son Manasseh, who was just as evil as Ahaz, even worse. He also sacrificed his children to the fire. Yes. All right. And so Hezekiah would be the good king that would fall in the ways of God, just like David. So my question is, how did Hezekiah learn to walk in the ways of God? 
How did he know what was right and what was wrong? Who put the Word of God in his heart? Who helped him understand what it meant to trust in God? The fact, I believe, that 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles include Abijah as the mother of Hezekiah strongly suggests that she was a significant figure in his life and probably the reason that Hezekiah was the man that he became. And then in those young, in those young years that she poured into his heart, when he became king, he followed in the steps, not of his father, but of his heavenly father. Amen? You know, I don't know if Abijah understood that one day her son would be king. I mean, there maybe was a good chance because they were in the kingly home, right? Did she understand that her son would stand strong against the king of Assyria? If you, you can go back and read that in the kings there, that um, they come down and they're at the gates and they send in messengers and they taunt Hezekiah and the, the people that are there. I mean... They were completely surrounded. They were under siege. There's no way that they could escape. But God sends an angel and it wipes out most of the Assyrians, like 180-some thousand overnight. And so they retreat and go back home, right? And, but it was totally the hand of God. But he went to God and Isaiah spoke through that situation, gave him a promise. But Hezekiah had within him a relationship with God that was nurtured in him by someone. And I think that someone was Abijah. And maybe even his grandfather, Hezekiah, that poured into his life and raised him. You know, her name is mentioned. Usually, you know, this isn't to put women down or anything, right? It was just the, the biblical times and not so much biblical, but it was just in those times that women um, were not seen as an equal. Scripture sees women as equal, but um, in those times they were not. And for the fact for the women to be mentioned and for her name to be mentioned, I think says a lot. That God had a special plan and that she had been raised in a godly home and then she placed that within her son that would one day rule the nation of Judah. Amen? Moms, especially moms with young children, you don't know the plans that God has for your child, do you? You can look into their eyes, and, and the older they get, you can kind of see some personality, and you see some of those things. Those all begin to take shape and form the older that they get. But I encourage you, teach them to know God. Teach them the difference between right and wrong. Teach them that they are loved by you and by God. Teach them character and to be confident in who they are. Teach them the Word of God. Teach by your words and by your actions. I think a mother's influence is powerful. And to our moms who still have children at home today, uh, we honor you. And let it be known that your role is so vital to the fabric of our family, but also of our nation. Amen? And so I got just some quick takeaway points here. Usually I have points more up front. But the main point is, Mom, you have influence. And I hope that you use that influence to raise up godly children and nurture them. All right?
Use it to the best of your ability. But there's some takeaways. First of all, stay focused on the things that are important. Right? Especially moms with young kids, right? There's dishes. There's clothes, right? You know, probably in our day and age, mom and dad help out a little more than they used to back in, you know, 50 years ago. But you still have to stay focused on what's important. Is a clean house what's important? Is that your highest priority or quality time with your child, right? You have to sometimes make those choices, all right? Secondly, lead out of your walk with God. You can't give your children what you don't have yourself. In other words, if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't know what it is to pray, to read God's Word, you don't know God's Word, you can't give it to them. You yourself must dig that well, right? I love digging holes, right? I don't really. <laughs> it's hard work. You know, and if he had to dig a well, right, in the Old Testament time, that would be hard work, right? But it provided a nourishment. It provided water, right? Life-sustaining water, right? Um, make your life a deep well that can refresh others. Amen? That will refresh your life, but also the lives of others. Number three, Ties into that one. Do your best to have a Sabbath rest. And all the moms with young kids laugh at me, right? <laughs> um, but you have to carve out some time for you. And if we have dads here, make sure your wife gets some of that time um, to have a Sabbath rest. It might not be a full 24 hours, but it might even just be a 30 minutes or an hour where you get to unplug and refresh your soul. Amen? And number four, have a few close friends. I think that is so vital. The Barna research points it out, has some confidence. People to pray with, laugh with, cry with, support with, uh, that you can encourage one another, provide accountability and support. Proverbs 27, 17, we have it in the men's restroom. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Right? We sharpen each other. We make each other better. That goes true for men. That goes true for women. Amen. So to moms with children at home, we be encouraged and trust God's strength. Your role is vital. And, you know, we have the dedication up here, okay, with Jason Oneida. And we pray. If there's anything that's going to make you feel like, you know what, I don't know what I should do or have the wisdom to do it, it's parenting, right? And you need God's help. You need His Holy Spirit to guide you through that process. To all moms, we honor you today. We honor you for the sacrifice, the hard work, the diligence, the love, and the strength. Right? Moms usually don't get the credit that they deserve for the, well, all that they do. And so kids, make sure you tell your mom. One day you'll get it. One day you get it. Right? You get your own kids and it's kind of like, oh, Wow. Man, they really, my, my mom and dad really put up with that and all that I did. and They made those sacrifices. They'll, they'll, you'll get it one day. Um, but send that credit ahead now, right? Show your appreciation and love for your mom today. A mother's influence can change the life of a, ch of a child, children, a nation, or even a world. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to have the musicians come. Back in the old days, 
we would close with the song Faith of Our Mothers. Anybody remember that? Remember that? Gary and Mary, you don't remember that one? Man, that's a hymn you don't know, huh? All right. I don't know what page it is in the hymn book, but we used to sing it. Faith of our mother's living hope. We will be true to thee till death. I still remember some of it. Amen. But moms, we do honor you. We're going to close with this course, um, I Speak Jesus. Uh, it just talks about speaking Jesus over our homes and our families. And, uh, and so I'd like to just close with a prayer over our moms, if we can do that today. And so let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity um, to celebrate Mo Mother's Day. And if our, we have a mom still living, I pray that we can take that opportunity to thank them and to show appreciation. And I, I realize that in a broken and a fallen world, not every mother-daughter or son-mother relationship is always perfect. And so, Lord God, I even just pray for mercy and grace and healing in some of those situations, Lord God. But God, that we can take the opportunity to thank our moms for the sacrifice and the investment they made in our life. And I pray for our moms that are here today, especially the ones that have children in the home right now. Lord God, that you would grace them with your mercy, with your wisdom, with your strength. Lord God, may your grace be sufficient for all the things, the challenges that lie ahead, Lord God. And in those moments where they, they feel alone or discouraged, Lord God, I pray that your presence is, is near, Lord God. Near to them, I pray. And that you would have your hand upon them, Lord God. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. In your name we ask. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Just worship the Lord together this morning.